Hey, you can go ahead and uh, oh, you can go ahead and find your seats. Find your seats. Hey, can we turn uh, house lights up just a little bit so I can see you guys? Awesome. Well, hey, good morning, guys. I, I actually had to look up uh, when songs came out. Middle school, that was so long ago, and I, I was thinking like maybe like regulators, uh, Warren G. Uh, but then I was like, no, that was, that was actually in high school. So I think it was probably something with Beastie Boys, I'm guessing. Paul's Boutique or something around that era. Uh, I heard Sweet Child of Mine. Was that you, Joe? Okay. That, I mean, that, that fits. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, some of you guys, <laughs> I'm guessing if you're, uh, you know, a little wiser in years, maybe, and you heard some of, the, some of the other people say this came out when I was in middle school, and you're like, really? Because uh, that that's means I'm old. Uh, so... Anyways, hey, uh, we believe that leaders uh, should lead with transparency and with wisdom. And the, the challenge with that uh, is that if you lead with transparency, a lot of times people can think that you are over-communicating and you are kind of over-explaining, maybe mansplaining. Uh, my wife has never accused me of that uh, today. So, uh, uh, yes, so if you lead with transparency, you lead with transparency, people can think you're over-communicating. If you lead with wisdom many times, people can think that you're being uh, overly cautious unnecessarily. And so uh, with, at the risk of being overly transparent or overly uh, over-communicating and overly uh, over-sharing and over, overly cautious, I want to make you aware of uh, something. The bang is going into effect. My gosh. Okay, my brain is like waiting for my mouth to catch up. Okay. Um, so yesterday, got, uh, our daughter, one of our daughters got uh, news that someone in her class uh, was uh, tested positive for COVID. Everyone in her house is vaccinated, and no one in her house has symptoms. And so she tested, and she tested positive. And we were like, what the heck? That makes zero sense. We're like, do another one. So uh, we, we, you know, we have tons of tests at the house. And so she tested another one. She's positive. And we're like, okay, go, in your, go get in your bubble. Get in your room. So she went in her room. We look at the CDC. What are the guidelines? Natalie and I both tested negative. We're both asymptomatic. And so we're going, what do, what do, we, what do we do? CDC says as long as you're not like within literally spitting distance of somebody um, and you're asymptomatic and you're vaccinated that you, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're within spitting distance, wear a mask. And, um, but if you're not, you're, you're, you're good to go. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I feel really good about that. So uh, I, we talked to the elders. We talked for a while. And what we landed on is what we're doing right now, which is uh, over-explaining. Uh, what's what's going on being transparent uh, and then uh, I hung out in backstage in the dream team uh, room uh, during worship and then I'm coming out here to teach and then after I say amen I'm going back and I'm leaving uh, so if you're like wow that guy is such a diva he won't even shake my hand he like hangs out on the backstage he's <laughs> all the volunteers are setting up and whatever and he's just like getting backstage getting fanned and needs someone's feeding him grapes uh, so that's not what's going that's not what's going on I'm not like hanging out in my trailer uh, back there uh, I'd, we're just trying to go, okay, what is, the, what is the wise thing we can do? And here's, here's the funny thing about all this. There's going to be some of you guys that are going, uh, man, Taka, that is like, you're just, that's being way too overly cautious. I hang out with people that are probably COVID positive all day long. And then there's some of you guys that are going, oh, that is not cautious enough. You need to go and get in your bubble. We'll see you like in 2023, right? So I get it. And that is this par for the course uh, for the last uh, couple of years that no matter what we do, there's going to be people that are uh, frustrated. So, you know. You can email me at taka at voice.church, and let's talk it through probably virtually this week. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, all right. So anyways, uh, but again, we're just trying to do the best we can, we're trying to be transparent, trying to be wise, and trying to care for you guys as much as possible. So 
that's why I'm going to bounce right after this. Okay, uh, so <laughs> uh, with that, hey, we're in the middle of a series right now uh, called Relationship Goals. So we started out a few weeks ago, Natalie talked about uh, your relationships with other people, and specifically in how, how to have healthy relationships, uh, especially when you're dealing with people that are potentially unhealthy or maybe even toxic in their behavior. How do you manage the balance of tension between having commitments but also having healthy boundaries, right? Because you, you, you want to forgive, you want to reconcile, but sometimes it's not safe to fully re-engage. So if you're like, wow, I, I really need to hear that. Yeah, that's why we talk about it. So go back a few weeks on the podcast or YouTube or Facebook or wherever you get your voice stuff and then uh, go watch or listen uh, to that. The, uh, then the week after that is when World Vision uh, Half Marathon Day. So a, a bunch of us were, you know, we paid for the privilege of being tortured. And so we I uh, did uh, World Vision Day, and so Matt came and spoke. He talked about our relationship with ourselves, actually being kind to yourself, and what is the, what is the inner dialogue with ourselves. Everything starts here, right? Before you can lead out here, before you can influence here, you have to lead inside and kind of influence what's going on inside, and that's hard enough as is, right? And so he talked about this, this key idea of the difference between rest and relaxation, resting and relaxing, and there's a big difference between that. If you're like Taka, that, they're the same thing. Go back and watch that, listen to that, and trust me, it, it, it's, it's, uh, he makes a good point. And then last week uh, was Mother's Day. If you still haven't texted your mom for Mother's Day, you're in really big trouble uh, right now. All right, she birthed you. All right, so go ahead and uh, send her a text now saying you forgot or making an excuse. Uh, grab a coffee from uh, us in the back and send it as your gift. Uh, whatever we can do to help, help us uh, help you. But we had a panel of moms up here. Uh, Natalie, Ariel, and Kathy, and uh, just want to say kudos to them afterwards, told them, man, thank you for your wisdom. It was really, really, uh, really good. And then today, uh, we're finishing up our series talking about our relationship with God. So we talk about relationship with others, relationship internally, and now we're talking about a relationship with God. And I just want to ask you permission uh, to, uh, to give me the benefit of the doubt. Because uh, we're going to talk about something today that you're, 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 you may be thinking, and we'll dialogue about this a bit, you may be thinking, talking of no context uh, for my life, and I, you know, you're being audacious to tell me what you're about to tell me, and I, I, I get it, and I, 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 trust me, I get it, uh, but just give me permission and maybe dial up the teachability a little bit and give me the benefit of the doubt. But as we hop into this, this week actually in my personal uh, devotional times, I've been reading the book of Acts. I read the book of Acts pretty consistently, and uh, don't have time to go into why, but it's awesome. And so one of the things I observed this week, I don't know why it hit me in a way uh, I hadn't before, but the book of Acts is essentially a story of a bunch of people that are doing things they don't want to do, right? And going to places they don't want to go to. And interacting with people they wouldn't want to interact with and going to prison for things that they never wanted to really go to prison for, right? So it's like it's a bunch of people that because of the Holy Spirit's leading and empowering, they're experiencing things far outside their comfort zone. We don't see anything in the book of Acts about the, uh, their goal is to increase their net worth or to move into the right neighborhood or everything for it to go up into the right or it, not, no American dream, no pursuit of happiness is about a pursuit of faithfulness, right? And it's, it's a really interesting thing. And sometimes we, we think as the Holy Spirit is here for us to feel like goosebumps during worship. And the Holy Spirit is here to tell me that I'm, I'm, I'm nice and I'm good and to make me feel comfortable. Right? My old pastor used to call um, goose pimples. You guys ever heard of goose pimples? Is, he's from the South, like obviously, right? And so he was like, oh, you know, and during worship when you feel goose pimples? It's like, no, 
No one has ever, anyways. But the Holy Spirit sometimes is like, well, the Holy Spirit's there. If we said the Spirit showed up or God showed up on the surface or that thing was a Spirit-led thing, was it? Like, was it because in the book of Acts, what we see is when the Spirit leads, people are consistently, consistently pushed outside of their comfort zone. That's what happens. The, the whole story the book of Acts is about. And the problem is, the problem is that we have normalized resisting the Holy Spirit. You, you okay with like me, like, I don't want to step on your toes, but I mean, let, let, I mean, Scripture is Scripture, right? So like, we have normalized resisting the Holy Spirit. We've elevated comfort and success as like an idol. And if God helps us get comfort and success, then I'll follow him. If he kind of pushes that out, then I don't know because I need to be comfortable and successful. And what Jesus has for us is a different way. And I think one of the things getting in the way of us growing spiritually is this pursuit of comfort and success. And what Jesus is saying is there's a different way. There's a different way. I want us to focus on one idea today, one idea that affects all of our relationships, but definitely our relationship with God, but affects, again, all of our relationships. It's the idea of pace. Pace. What pace are you living? John Mark Comer, if you haven't read his book, uh, he, what's the book called? Per, uh, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He's got several. He actually has a new one called Tell No Lies, which is pretty good so far. I'm like a quarter of the way in, so I, I don't know how it ends. But, uh, uh, but the, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he talks about this idea of running too fast, that pace as a posture of life, your overall pace. And one of my theories is that there's like a couple kinds of people on this, on this planet. They're like fast walkers, right? And there's slow walkers. And a lot of times they like are married to each other or are, no, like are related to each other, right? And so like I'm a fast walker. It just is. And it's not even like a height thing because I think I've seen some like, sl- like slow walkers, especially shorter slow walkers, blame like, oh, it's just because you have longer legs. No, my mom is a short, fast walker. Okay, so it, it's not, it's about the, your, your, the hurriedness of your heart, right? And so what happens is a lot of times how it fleshes out is we're driving somewhere or we're walking somewhere and Natalie, you know, the family, and Natalie is a slow walker. And she'll be like, oh my guys, guys, stop. Look at the tree. Yeah, it's a tree. Oh my gosh, guys, look at the mountains. Guys, look at the clouds. Guys, this is, we live here. This is beautiful. Guys, look at the ocean. We're like, yes, let's keep going. And especially on the car rides, the girls in the back seat, you know, on their, on their phones doing nothing. And, and so they're super busy. Uh, and I'm just trying to catch up to all the people that passed us from the last bathroom stop. Right? So, like, that's like we're on a mission, guys. Like, we gotta, we gotta get going here because this is a competition and we're gonna win, right? And she's like, oh, look at the mountains. It's like, oh my gosh. So, fast walkers and slow walkers, right? There was, uh, there was a workout a, a few years ago, probably like seven years ago now at our gym, and it started out really simple. And it was two cones a cone here and a cone there, were probably like 10, 15 yards away, very short distance. And uh, so, that was like, it was a row of cones right, at the gym. And the, the coach goes, all right, guys, today's workout's going to be very simple. And we're going to get one minute. So the one-minute timer on the clock, just going, beeping on the, on the top of the minute. You have one minute to run from that cone to that cone. The rest of the minute, you can rest. We're like, uh, coach, that'll take like three seconds, right? Maybe if I'm like skipping, it'll take me three seconds, right? And he goes, okay, that's first minute. Second minute, you go two lengths. Then you rest for the rest of the time. We're like, okay, we're still going to rest like 56 seconds, right? And then third, fourth, fifth. At the beginning of it, the first like 
jaunt across. We're resting for like 57 seconds, right? And we're talking and we're laughing. How was your week? It was really good. Yeah. And then as it went on and on and on, 10 lengths. And we're now we're resting for like 20 seconds. We're trying to like, no one's laughing anymore. Right? No one's talking. No one's cutting it up anymore. No one's building relationships. It's every man for himself. At the, at the end, we were doing like, you know, however, 15, 18 laps. And then it's like, it beeps again. And then you do that over again plus one. Right? At the end of it, at the end of it, no one cared about anybody else. I don't care how your day went. Don't tell me a laugh. Don't even look at me. Don't talk to me. I'm just trying to hold it together and not puke. Right? And I was thinking about that. First of all, I was thinking I could not get the same score as I got seven years ago. Uh, but also I was thinking about life can be like that, can it? Little by little, things add, and they add, and they add. And so you get more efficient, and they add more, but finances get more complex. Maybe you date someone, you get married, and you have kids, and you have diapers. And, you know, we had, like, Engage yesterday, and uh, one of the couples that was over, all the stuff they had to bring in because of a little one. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I remember those stages where you look like you're moving every time you just go to the grocery store, you know. And you see, so you have diapers and bedtime routines and braces and retirement accounts and sports and soccer. And you, you feel like you're like an Uber driver just transporting these little midgets everywhere around, right? You have school meetings. You have social media, right? Because you have to know if anything changed on Instagram in the last three minutes. You got to check back in, right? And then don't forget personal time because you need personal time. You need some me time, right? You need a spa day or maybe watch a TV show. You need vacations. And if you have kids, you need a vacation from the vacation, right? Because it wasn't really, it just drained your money but it really didn't recharge you at all because, you know, children. Uh, then you have to read because you have to be a self-learner, right? You have, to, you have to learn, you have to read, you have to listen to podcasts and audiobooks, and, and then, oh, yeah, church is in there somewhere if you get around to it. And, and if you see that new TV show, you've you got to watch that new TV show. It's only 14 seasons, all right? But you've got to watch it. I can't believe, where have you been that you haven't watched? You haven't watched that new movie, the three new movies that came out this, you haven't watched those? you got to stop whatever you're doing and watch those movies, right? And then, oh, we haven't hung out in forever, Guys, we have to hang out. Let's go do something, man. And you're feeling obligated because I mean, there's so many people now that we're on the, kind of the backside of this pandemic. We haven't hung out with all these people. And then one day you wake up and you're going, I'm overwhelmed. Like, I'm just overwhelmed. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm maybe failing at four different things as is. And I'm still overwhelmed. Right? So you try to get a little more efficient. Right, so what used to take you an hour, you now get done in 45 minutes. And so what do you do with that extra time? Do you sleep more? No, do you, you cram more stuff in that space, right? You get a little less sleep. You start buying things online maybe because it's kind of addicting, but also it's kind of magical. You press a button and someone delivers it to your door within a day or two, right? But it also saves you time because you don't have to go to the store. You just press a button. You don't have to take half an hour to go to Target for the third time today, right? You, you weave through traffic because maybe you can save 20 seconds if you weave through traffic enough and it makes you feel like you get the little wins, but then you're using your car time, your traffic time on the five to, to listen to podcasts and audiobooks because, you know, you're a learner, right? You start using the time in the bathroom. I mean, let's be honest, right? Maybe knock out a few emails, right? Doing business while you're doing business, Right? <laughs> And then what happens little by little is you begin to ignore relationships, right? You kind of have this epiphany. You're going, I don't, I don't think I know that person, that spouse, the child, the neighbor, the friend, that, like you used to, right? You, you, relationships get a little more shallow. Maybe you skip church here and there. You skip 
workouts here and there, you eat a little sloppier here and there, and it's not just about being rushed. It's not about having hurry in our lives, which is an issue. It's about, it's about who we're becoming, right? It's about this sense of disappointment, if you're being honest, about kind of where life is going. Like, I don't want to live like this. I don't like who I am when I'm rushed. Here's the weird thing about me is I, I, I like busyness. I just don't like who I am when I'm really busy, right? Like, I, I, I like accomplishing things. I like going to sleep going, I did all, what, I, what I hate is the days where I feel like I was, like, the day was full, but I don't feel like I actually accomplished anything, right? Those are the days that I come home and I'm like, I'll just do something in the yard so I feel like, check, I did something, right? I like busyness. I just don't like what happens to me when I feel rushed, you can get to a point where you feel like, is there something missing? Am I, am I missing something? Because I don't have any time to do what's important to me, to do what I say is important to me. I don't have time to spend with people that I say are important to me. And we begin to think, to them, is, is, is this the way life is supposed to be? Is this the way it's supposed to be? One of the key lines for us that we're going to go back to over and over again this morning is this. It says, the greatest enemy to the life you want may be the life you're currently living. The greatest enemy to the life that you want may be the life you're currently living. That your habits that you have right now, the way of life you're doing right now, the direction of your life right now may be the very thing that's getting in the way of the life that you actually want. And today's message is tough because it's one of the ones I struggle with the most. I struggle with this the most, guys. This is like that old, like, hair club for men commercials, right? Where, like, not only my client, on the president, right? This is, this is me. This is me. I love busyness. I love accomplishment. I love multitasking. I love when, I, I remember I had this boss that he goes, talk a time to lean, time to clean. And I was like, yes! Amen! That's right! Time to lean, time to clean. Not time to lean, like, then talk about soul care. No, man, time to lean. Let's get this thing done. Let's get moving, right? The, the, the family, and they're watching online right now, the family doesn't like it when I get bored. Because when I get bored, uh, I find stuff to do, right? And it's fine if it's just me clanging around the kitchen or wherever in the garage or whatever, but the thing is I have to recruit everybody. It's like, so I'm bored, so I'm going to work on this project, and everyone needs to stop whatever they're doing right now because you need to help me do this project because it's like super important and time sensitive. I know I haven't done anything about it for the last two months, but right now is a time. Everyone needs to stop. This is like full steam ahead. World War III, we're doing this right now. You got to fight the good fight, right? And some of you guys are like, yeah, that's, yeah, I'm married to someone like that. Okay, so I know how to pray for you now, right? So, so this is who I am. I'm, I'm hoping that most of you are not as dysfunctional as I am. Right? But I'm guessing, I'm guessing that it's more than just me that feels like life is full. I'm guessing it's more than just me uh, that feels that you can be overwhelmed at times, right? That you don't have time for meals with family. You don't have time for spiritual lives. You don't have times to uh, reflect as much as you would like. But it's okay, right? Because everyone is like this. Everyone you talk to is like this. When you talk to anyone, how's it going? Busy, busy, busy. But there's got to be a better way, right? I mean, you know there's a better way. You feel the tension in your heart that there's a better way. Again, the greatest enemy to the life you want may be the life that you're living. The greatest enemy to the life you want may be the life that you're living. Let's look at, let's look at Jesus, okay? He's something that we talk about quite often because you were followers of Jesus, right? He had three years of ministry, just three years. 
He had a group of nobodies as his disciples. The, the fact that, you, you look at the history of it, the, the fact that Jesus called his disciples at their age were because none of the rabbis wanted them. They all, all kind of flunked out of disciple school. No one else wanted these guys. So Jesus picked them. He didn't get the, the first round draft picks, right? He had a bunch of nobodies. And in three years, he took them and created world changers out of them. He endured hatred and resistance and, you know, execution of the religious power brokers, the ones that were the gatekeepers of the day who did everything in their power to come against him. He healed people. He preached fearlessly. He fulfilled over 350 Old Testament prophecies. Think about it, 350 Old Testament prophecies. And you know the crazy thing is? He never once ran. You never see Jesus hurrying. He was busy. He accomplished a lot of things that mattered, but he never rushed. Isn't that wild to think about? You never get the sense of like, hey, Levi, let's go. Let's go, guys. Let's move it along, guys. Over and over again, you see this phrase in Scripture, Jesus walked. Jesus walked. Jesus walked along, right? Connie even talks about it, right? Jesus walks, right? Anyways, so in Mark chapter 2, verse 14, uh, when Jesus calls Levi, who will, who will later be called Matthew, he's, it says this, as he, Jesus, walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, in case you're wondering which Levi it was, uh, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And so Levi got up and followed him. Keep that up there. As Jesus walked along, he says, Levi, follow me. And so Levi got up and followed him. As Jesus walked, he said, follow me. And so Levi followed him. If Jesus was unrushed, then Levi was unrushed too, because you would never get ahead of your rabbi. And if Jesus was unrushed, followers should be unrushed too. If we follow an unrushed Jesus, then we should live an unrushed life as well. Now, I'm not saying, you know, just, you know, ponder your spiritual belly button all day, have your mom make you a sandwich as you're sitting in your parents' basement, Right? This is not uh, an advocate for, to sleep until noon and then eat something and then take a nap because you're, you need some more me time. This, and I'm not advocating for laziness. I'm just saying there's a posture of your heart that is reflected in the posture of your body. That sometimes you're, if you're rushing externally, it's because you're hurried in here. In the same way that this, there's times where, you know, say you're watching a, a, a sports game or like a movie or whatever and, and you're leaning on the edge of your seat, Okay, that's because that's the posture of your heart, and your body is reflecting the posture of your heart, right? If, you know, body posture, if someone, if you're telling someone a story and they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know the posture of their heart, don't you? Especially if you have a teenager, you know the posture of their heart because you can see the posture of their body, right? This is why we end every service like this, because maybe we can lead our hearts if we can lead our bodies to be open to the Spirit. Anyways, so... Jesus uh, says this in Matthew chapter 11 in, in a translation called The Message, which is a paraphrased translation, but I think it really draws out the truth of this passage. And I want you to hear this um, as Jesus speaking to you, because he is. In Matthew chapter 11, it says this. Are you tired? Are you tired? I'm going to go through this verse real slow, because I want you to really let it sink. Are you tired? You're worn out? You're burned out on religion, are you? Jesus says, come to me. 
Get away with me and you'll recover your life. You'll recover your life. You ever feel like you're going so hurried that your soul is trying to catch up to you? He says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that line. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, not the forced rhythms of ambition, not the forced rhythms of the pursuit of success, the pursuit of applause, the pursuit of approval, not the forced rhythms of that, the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Some of us are tired. Some of us are worn out because you're putting expectations on yourself that God never put on you. He said, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Again, there was something about the way Jesus lived. He accomplished a ton, but he wasn't hurried at all. Think about the way he lived. He didn't start his public ministry until he was 30. Think about that, 30. He wasn't a 21-year-old going, give me a shot. I can do this, right? It's patient, patient. I'm not saying you can't start doing anything worthwhile until you're through. I'm just saying Jesus was, was content, content. I'll, I'll do the things when I do the things, all right? When he was baptized, beautiful moment. He was baptized by his cousin, uh, John, and there's a beautiful picture where the father says, this is my son who I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and Jesus was inaugurated into his public ministry. And what's the first thing he does now that he's kind of let out of the stables, right? He gathers thousands of people. He's like, I'm, I'm here now, guys. I'm 30. Let's do this. What does he do? He goes to the desert and spends 40 days with God to make sure that his heart is right, right? There's so many times where he's, he's doing miracles. There's one time where he's, this person comes to him and says, can you heal this person? He goes, yeah, I'll be there. And then he consistently takes care of the people that were around him, and he delays for so long, or he's so focused on what he's doing right now for so long that by the time he gets over there, the person's dead. And they're ticked off at him. And they said, Jesus, if you just would have come when we asked you to come, they wouldn't have died. A little bit of pressure, right? But he didn't allow that pressure to, to affect him. So he's like, yeah, it is what it is, right? He didn't allow external pressure. To, and then he, you know, raised him from the dead, which is a whole other thing I don't have the ability to do. So there's, there's that. Uh, but there was a sense of like, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be unrushed. I'm going to be unhurried. My guess is that many of us rush, me included, because we're either running from something or running to something. Running away from something or running towards something. For me, to be totally transparent, again, maybe I'm oversharing, over uh, but for me, uh, I tend to run away from being insignificant. It's a big fear of mine. My core fear is being insignificant. From being seen as unproductive. I see my, my dad, my, some of you guys heard the story, my dad, when I was eight, in eighth grade, would give me like Dale Carnegie and Jim Rowan books and Zig Ziglar audiobooks. I had a whole like thing of Zig Ziglar audiobooks about closing the sale. I'm an eighth grader, okay? What, what sale am I going to close? You know, I'll mow your lawn for 10 bucks. I mean, so he gave me a day timer with a, with a VHS tape that came in. I had to watch the VHS tape and learn how to do like, you know, all the assessments and whatever as an eighth grader, you know, to really manage my time well. Uh, between Little League uh, and tennis practice. So anyways, uh, but my, my, one of my fears because of all that kind of burned into me is I, I, I don't want to be unproductive. 
I can't be unproductive. I have a hard time resting in general because I, I, I see it in, like naturally as like an unproductive time. Right? So, so I'm constantly running away from being insignificant. I'm running away from being unproductive. I'm running towards success. I want to be successful. Right? I want to uh, achieve. I want applause. And so I run towards that. And that is constantly pushing me to hurry. I don't know what it is for you. You may resonate with those, or you may have a fear uh, of failure. Some of you guys may be running away from a fear of low income. Some of you guys may have grown up like I did with, you just didn't have a whole lot, right? Chicken McNuggies were like a really special thing, right? And so you are like, I will never have my family live like that. And so you have a fear of low income, so you are hustling because you are so afraid of, of, of living that life. Some of you guys are running towards popularity. Man, if I can just have the stuff that makes people think a certain way about me. You're running towards being seen a certain way. You're, be, you're running towards achievement or security or applause. But the problem is that, that if we're honest, the thing that we're running towards, the life that we're trying to hurry and rush towards, the reality is that even if you find it, can I tell you, it's still, it's still going to leave you empty. The hope that you think you're going to find there when you get those letters after your name or the applause or the promotion or the thing or the, the recognition or whatever, it's not going to fulfill you like you think it will. Just like the last things didn't fulfill you like you thought they would, right? Jesus talked about this whole idea that you can rush in a certain way, that you can gain the whole world. But lose your soul in the process. It's easy to have a bunch of awards, easy to have all the boxes checked, but an empty soul, you know that, right? In Orange County, we know that better than most. And you may look at me, and this is what I'm talking about, where you, don't, you may not think I have context. I think some of you guys may look at me, especially if you're newer to the church, and you're going, Taka, come on, man, you're a pastor, right? You work, you work on Sundays. You work like one day, what do you do the rest of the day, like pray, right? Like, <laughs> just read the Bible nine hours a day, like this, this is your, your what, you know? talk I, I live in the real world i have a full-time job i have to be productive you know i look at spreadsheets <laughs> you're like and honestly talk i, I have no time i have no time and you're looking at me like the talk this is nice neat little sunday school lesson but i have no time i'm being as efficient as i can my life is full i have no time there's no discretionary time and can I challenge you? This is where I need you to turn up the humility just for a second and maybe just give me the benefit of the doubt. Here's my challenge you to do. Is that you have time for whatever you choose to have time for. You have time. You, talk about, you have time for whatever you choose to have time for. The solution is not more time. The solution is not more time. The solution is more of what matters most. The solution is not more time. The solution is more of what matters the most. The reason why you don't have time for what matters most is because maybe you're spending, you're mindlessly spending your time on what doesn't. The reason why you don't have time for what matters the most is maybe you're mindlessly spending time on what doesn't. And I don't know what you're mindlessly spending time on is, but we all do it. I want to give you three things, and this is a little personal to me because I do some of this stuff, right, or all of these things. So it's a little personal to me, and I hesitated in sharing it because I'm like, okay, I don't want, I feel triggered by my own sermon. So uh, three, three things, uh, social media, you know, we're going to go there, social media, TV, and video games, okay? Social media, TV, and video games, all right? They're not bad, they're just not the most important, okay? So 
uh, let me give you uh, some stats. They're fascinating, a little heart-wrenching. The average person spends about 706 hours on social media a year. Not a day. That wouldn't be possible. 706 hours a year on social media. Some of you guys are far less, and by default then, some of you guys are way more. That's how we get an average of 706, okay? So here's how that works out practically, okay? Here's kind of the, ugh, 706 hours. If you take an eight-hour workday, five days a week, that's four and a half months. Four and a half months of a nine-to-five on social media a year. That's almost half the year, guys, on social media. Some of you that, that are employees are like, yeah, that's why my team is so unproductive. It's because they're on Instagram. Maybe, maybe. I don't know what you do with that, but pray about it. Right? So social media is a, a big time suck, 706 hours. You know what's worse? TV. The average American watches 2,737 hours of TV a year. What? Now, you may look at that and go, I, uh, I, I watch way less. And you're like a super spiritual person. You don't even own a TV, right? Jesus didn't have one, so you don't have one. You are awesome, right? But then by default, there's a bunch of other people in the room that are skewing the average. Like they're doing their part to bring the average up, and they're watching way more than that. Again, it's not bad. It's just not most important. Video games. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on. I couldn't find stats for girls, but for the guys in the room, the average guy, the average guy, some of you guys are like, oh, man, here we go, here we go. I know some of you guys' stories. Okay, uh, guys spend an average, the average guy, before they reach 21 years old, spends 10,000 hours on video games. <laughs> 10,000 hours. You ever read like, um, like Malcolm Gladwell talking about 10,000 hours? Right? You know what you can do in 10,000 hour, 10, hours? You can become a concert pianist. In 10,000 hours, you can get your pilot's license. In 10,000 hours, if you're an average reader, you can read about 2,000 books. Some of you guys haven't read two books since you graduated school. Okay? You can read 2,000 books. Not cliff notes, not blogs, not descriptions on a post, like books. Like dead tree books, right? 2,000 of them, right? In 10,000 hours, you can get your undergrad and your grad degree. Right in 10,000 hours. Do you know what else you can do with 10,000 hours? If you devoted that to key relationships, you could maybe salvage that, mar that marriage. You could do, you could have a deeper relationship with your kids that you feel like, I just am distant from. You know what else you could do? You could have a significant, real, not surfacey, but a real relationship with God. You could. Far less than 10,000 hours. You can have the things that matter. You could. Or you can mindlessly spend time on what doesn't. The things with priorities is you don't negate these other things. It's just you don't do them first. Right? You do the things that matter first, and then with your extra time, you do the things that are mindless. You should watch TV. I think it's fun. I think it's good to have a little relief. I think it's fine to play video games, probably depending on the video game, but I think it's fine. That's between you and God. I think it's fine to be on social media as long as your heart can handle it. But not doing all those things and going, I haven't read my Bible in six months. I don't have time to. Nah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Let's look at, let's look at your, your YouTube history. Some of you guys are like, I, I, don't, I don't watch TV. I just watch three hours of YouTube a day. Same thing, man. All right, so just want to make sure that we're on the same page here. Okay? Look again, the greatest enemy, the greatest enemy to the life you want, maybe the life that you're living, 
greatest enemy to the life that you want, the life that you desire, the life that one day you're going to get around to, maybe the life that you're currently living. So, so what, what, what do I do? What do you do? Taka, you, you've convinced me. I think I need to make a change. I feel a little guilty. Uh, that's not the goal. But what do I do now? My answer is this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because I'm struggling with this too. Here's what I do know. I'm not going to give you a bunch of to-do lists. I'm not going to go, so here's the four things you need to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say this. If you don't slow down, life may force you to. If you don't slow down, life may make you slow down. And it won't be in the way that you want. What John Mark Comer talks about in his books, he says that love is incompatible with hurry. Love is incompatible with hurry. Think about the people that you when, you, when I say, think about a loving person. Think about a person that has a deep relationship with God. Are they rushed? Are they hurried? The person that if you're having a hard day right now, that you know you can go out for coffee with them or stop by at their house and they'll pour you a cup of tea or coffee or whatever, that person, are they rushed? Are they hurried? Think about the person that is rushed and hurried. There's kind of a shallowness, right? I recognize a shallowness in my life more often than I want to. You can't be hurried and have depth at the same time. So here's all I can give you is a prayer, a prayer to pray, to put it on your screensaver. If that's even a, if screens still need to be saved. Uh, if you put this on your mirror or your, you know, in your car or somewhere, but it's just this simple prayer. God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. Help me to walk slow enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. What would happen if you actually prayed that? Here's a couple of things that I'm learning for me personally. I'm learning to be present in the moment really hard. I, I, I'm hard. I have a hard time being present in the moment because I'm like, okay, we've been here. Let's go there. Right? I have a hard time, right? Um, I check out a lot. Uh, and yeah, that's a whole other thing, talk to my wife about it. But by being present in the moment, learning to actually listen to people, right? And you're like, talking to your pastor, you should do this. I know, trust me. I know, I know. Uh, I'm listening to people more. I'm actually seeing their needs more. I'm actually like sitting in the hurt with people without trying to fix their hurt, which is a new thing for me, right? But I'm trying to be present in the moment. And look, some of you guys are like naturally good at this. I'm getting less terrible at it, okay? I'm not good. I'm not even near good. I'm really less horrible than I used to be at it, right? But I'm learning to be present in the moment. Second thing is I'm choosing what's important or trying to and eliminating what's not. That's just for me. As I pray this, that stuff is what bubbles to the surface, right? It, it, this helps me to say no to what doesn't matter and yes to what does. And when I say yes to what does and I still have free time, then I can say yes to the things that I objectively know don't matter. And some of the things that when you do this, you may have to say no to some things, not forever, but for this season. Because that's what this season demands. So some of you guys need to give yourself permission to go, I love doing this, I usually do this, but for this season, something needs to give because my relationships are getting shallower, my relationship with God is getting shallower, I'm getting shallower as a person, so I need to say no to these things because when I look at my time, when I, when I get that little notification that comes up once a week saying, you've spent this many hours on your screen every day, you're like, really? So you're going, I need to say no to some of these things so I can say yes to this, for, but for a season, 
I'm not going to play video games for a season. I'm going to watch one episode a night for a season until I get some of this stuff in order, and then I can say yes to more. God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. A lot of Jesus' miracles happened as he walked. Just read scripture. You'll see, as he walked. You know what the wild thing, I was just thinking about this, is where was Jesus walking to as he was unhurried and healing people and loving people and going a long way around to engage with people that he shouldn't culturally be hanging out with? Do you know where he was walking to ultimately? Slowly, methodically, missionally? He was walking to the cross. Think about that. He was walking in unhurried obedience to this ultimate place of ultimate pain and ultimate sacrifice and ultimate discomfort. And then he says, go and do likewise. So what would happen if we as his followers, we as his church, actually lived this way? If we were less hurried? If we spent time on things that mattered and not mindlessly on things that don't? Because remember, you may disagree, but I disagree with you disagreeing with me. <laughs> you have time for whatever you choose to have time for. You have time for whatever you choose to have time for. And again, the solution is not more time. The solution is more of what matters most. God help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing this one last song together, all right? God, we just, uh, God, again, we pray this all the time. I pray for no condemnation, no shame, no guilt. God, none of us, I don't want anyone to feel like dumb or feel like they're missing it. God, I pray would, would, would we feel you calling us to a better way to, to live? Would, you, would we feel you calling us like you did Levi to say, man, you tired? You burned out? You worn out? Follow me. I'll show you how to live. God, I pray would you lead us and would we follow you to a place of unhurried, missional, intentional living, God. Would we live as people whose souls are full, whose lives make a difference? We want to make an impact, God. But God, I pray that we wouldn't have full schedules and shrunken hearts. We love you, God. I pray for deep relationships. Everyone in this room, for deep relationships with you, significant, real, authentic, transparent relationships with you. And for those in the room that have never even made that first step, God, I pray today that they would say yes to you, say yes to following you, and begin that journey. God, we love you, God. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name. I think it was about three, four months ago when Eric West, who's one of the elders and one of the speakers inside this a church, he preached a very practical message that honestly has transformed my life and is simple. And his prayer works. So I think for the last three years, for those who know me, or at least when I've shared, I think one of the common themes that have come up here is uh, the feeling of being overwhelmed and tired and just tired of stuff. And for whatever the reason, I kind of grew up with this thought that if I needed to pray, I needed to be in my room because it was holy time. And if I were there, go out of my room and go to the bathroom, there was this guilt that came over me because, you know, I'm in the bathroom and this shouldn't be holy because it's the bathroom. And it kind of goes back to how I grew up. It's, 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 you know, I grew up in a super conservative church where, you know, if you're going to do prayer, prayer needed to be in a holy place. And it couldn't be somewhere where you were driving to or walking to because if I was going to pray, it needed to be just me, Jesus, and no one else. So as much as, you know, <laughs> I, I'm trying to run away from some of those guilts that I give myself, I found myself praying less and less and less 
because there was never a really holy place to pray because I was always on the move. You know, I was either with my family, I was driving somewhere, I, I was doing something. And for whatever the reason, something just clicked like three months ago where I just really started praying on the way to work. I have a two-hour commute back and forth. And I was wrong, senor. I do drive 600 miles every week. That's my commute. 600 miles, it's a lot. And, 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 and oftentimes I just wanted to worship in the car because what else do you do on the 91 when you're stuck in traffic? And during the last three months, as I prayed, priorities changed. It is a very simple concept that so often we just, you know, prayer is just annoying. It's boring. I don't want to do this. But when you truly, truly, truly come to church with an open mind and allow yourself to just be teachable and you begin to implement some things that I really, truly believe that God is using the elders group, the speakers team in this church, it's amazing what happens when you begin to pray. And it's not like I pray all the time because there's times that I wake up because I also wake up super early to go to work. Like, God, I, <laughs> I said this like a week ago. God, I don't feel like talking to you. I'm just going to put some worship song. And I just let that be my prayer. So listen, if y'all don't got time, we all don't got time. But I guarantee you this, that if you make time to pray, things that matter will be way more clear to you. And in saying no to things that you thought mattered, you will realize they don't matter anymore. And the things that do matter to you, you'll make the time. I was told all this time with my family, you know, tell me where your time is, and that's where your love is. That's where your love is. So let me just encourage you. Pray. Simple. Repurpose your drives. Repurpose your showers. Repurpose your runs. Repurpose the things that give you some time to just reflect. You know, I was just talking to somebody last week that I can't do prayer walks anymore. Because I feel super subconscious when I approach somebody. I have to kind of go. Because I, I, I get loud. And, and that's just what I do. So now I started doing <laughs> prayer walks in my car. I just drive different neighborhoods. And I'm sure I look weird. And I try not to go too late at night or too early in the morning. But I just drive around. Because to me, it just brings peace. So if you grew up like me, listen, God will meet you exactly where you're at. And he will reprioritize your life if you allow him to. And get surrounded with the people that you need to be surrounded with. Not only to be a blessing to them, but for you to be blessed with them or by them. So let me just pray. Actually, before I pray, I forgot. <laughs> offering. Um, we do get offering. Nope. We, get, we all get the opportunity to do offering inside this place. Uh, you could, there's a link. Nope. There we go. On the back. Feel free to give. Um, now let me pray. Father, we just want to praise you and thank you, Lord Jesus, for just giving us time. We could be doing so much more, Lord. I know I've been getting texts all morning about having a family lunch, Lord. And I have no idea how many texts they've been receiving throughout the service, Lord, about people wanting to hang out, family, whatever it may be. But, Lord, we're here today. And we love you and we thank you, Lord. And I pray that as we do go out of this place, and I pray that for us, for all of us who start praying and making that a consistent part of our lives, that we would just listen, that we won't be stubborn to your voice, that we won't be stubborn to whatever you ask us to do, but that we would just listen and change. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 If this message touched you and you need some prayer, we'll be down here praying for y'all. Consider yourself dismissed.